thanks for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. This is David Perkins, and we're so glad that you're listening. Hey, if you're a part of our family meeting online or in person, we want to encourage you to get connected at Radiant Church KC across all social media platforms. God is doing something incredible in Kansas City, and we love connecting with you, whether it's through our app or even through all the content available on our YouTube page. Hey, our prayer is that God uses this message to change your life and that you could become a dynamic disciple of Jesus. Thanks for listening. Enjoy this message. I want to touch base on just one thing next week before we look at Matthew 5, and that's this. Uh, We'll have our our, our difference makers offering. I know different churches do this differently. Let me, let me tell you how we're doing it here at Radiant. Um, we're gonna take everything that comes in uh, next Sunday and we want, I, I really felt like the Holy Spirit kind of put three ideas on my heart. Um, and so it, it's easy to just say it this way. One lane is gonna be for the hurting of the city. And so uh, we wanna give significantly to help people here in Kansas City. And so there's some different ministry partners. Uh, there's some different ways that we wanna help even some people in our church. Um, but I'm gonna call that just for the hurting of the city. And then the second lane is for the youth of our nation. And so I, I feel like one of the mandates on our church is to intentionally go after young people and uh, specifically helping them come to know and follow Jesus. So I won't preach a sermon on that today, uh, although it's my favorite, uh, but we wanna do that really, really well as a church. And so um, that's one lane. Uh, and then the last one is for uh, the unreached of the world or the lost of the world. And so um, a whole lot of statistics, a whole lot there about, uh, and we've had Andy Bird here, and I've made the joke that he's our missions pastor, and, and then it, that stuck, uh, but we're significantly committed to helping take the gospel around the world um, to the places that they haven't heard the gospel yet. And so um, that's next week. Uh, and so if you can, go ahead and put, just put that on your calendar um, and be here if you're able to, and then pray about what the Lord would call you to give. Um, and that's above, above your tithe, if you can, because um, everything that comes in next week, that's where it's gonna be going, all right? So um, that, this has been fun for us. We've done this um, uh, every year since we started the church, and I just feel like the Lord keeps... Uh, getting more and more specific on the mandate on our church. So that's uh, forthcoming. Uh, everything that comes in next week, that's the direction that it'll go. Um, and, and that's really fun for us to be generous. It's really fun to get to be generous and help people. And so um, we'll then rep- report some of the stories of the way that God used it um, to help uh, in those areas. So anyway, that's next week. Okay, uh, you ready to go? You in Matthew 5? You good? You happy? A little feedback. You out there? Okay, good, good, good. See, you're so close to me now, I can feel it. So uh, a little bit closer than over at Fiorella's. Matthew chapter five, verse 11. First, didn't Rachel do a great job last week? Love you, love you, love you. Great job, Rachel D. So good. Matthew chapter five, here we go. Last one. Blessed are you when people insult you. Glad you came to church. We're gonna talk about insults and persecution at Christmas time. It's gonna be awesome. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you. Here's the phrase, because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Father, we love you. And we thank you for the privilege and the honor of being disciples of Jesus here and now. And God, we, we have days where we feel like we prosper as a result of following Jesus. And we have days where we feel like we are persecuted. And Father, we are committed to Christ in the thick and the thin, no matter the circumstance. And we pray, Lord, that we would experience the the happiness, the being fortunate as followers of Jesus. 
Would you just right now, even just as you just talk to the Lord, would you just, would you just thank him for the privilege of being a disciple? We've spent all these weeks talking about the attributes of a disciple, just the joy to follow him. Jesus, we love you. We honor you. Amen. Famous missionary, uh, martyrdom story about Polycarp, first century. And Polycarp, uh, he's, he's one of the famous martyrs in church history, Bishop of Smyrna. He was discipled by John the Beloved. And just before he was burned at the stake, when they asked him to denounce the faith, he said this quote that I wanted to begin with because he said, 86 years I have served him, Jesus, and he never did me wrong. However then, can, how then, however then can I blaspheme, and here's the phrase, my king and my savior. So, so the, the, what comes out in the midst of persecution was not my character, was not even the cause of Christianity, which are good things, but what you feel and sense is the devotion to Christ. It's relationship. It's that phrase, because of me. Jesus said, those who are persecuted because of me. And so I just want to go after that idea, that phrase, because of me. And so you kind of hear Polycarp, just one of those early martyrs, Bishop of Smyrna. I mean, pretty cool to be discipled by John. And it's a, it's a personal talk of Christ. So sometimes I think for us, we think about, um, we think about ideas, we think about causes, and, and I love ideas and I love causes and the cause of Christ. And I love us doing all that we can in our character. And we have a lot of kind of self-help gurus that talk about what we can do and our strength. But when you look at this martyr, he has eyes focused on Jesus. He has language about Jesus. And it's that closeness with Christ. And he even gives that language of what Jesus means to him. And I just want to invite you to think about what does Jesus mean to you? Because to the degree that you know what Jesus means to you, who he is, that because of me, that phrase, it's about that relationship, that'll give you the strength to go through persecution. But if that's weak, if at the end of the day, Christianity is an argument, a cause you're committed to, it doesn't have that same power. I was thinking about the disciples and Jesus sitting here. And when we read in Matthew 5, just at the beginning, Jesus is talking to the disciples and the crowds. So right there at the beginning, we've got, he pulls the disciples in close. And most Bible commentators say you've got the disciples and then you've got crowds. So he's talking to both and he's really keying in on the disciples. And so when you've got the disciples right there close and Jesus says these phrases, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. I just wonder if you just might look at the storylines that took place with Peter, James and John, just right there up close. And that phrase, because of me. Hey, Peter. Hey, James. Hey, John. Should you have remained fishermen? Should you have just continued, James and John, work for Zebedee? Peter, run your fishing business. Your lives are actually different because of me. You're going to go through some persecution because of me. So if you didn't, if you didn't follow... If you weren't running with me, you might end up in a prosperous fishing business. You might, John, you might end up not on an island of Patmos. You might end up a fisherman, same place where you would always, generation after generation, growing up as a family. 
but because of me, because you followed me and because of the relationship, because of the commitment. Well, John, you're going to end up exiled. I mean, obviously in the moment right there, that's not being said, but you and I know as we're able to look back on history, that's what happened. We know that there was one way that John probably would have ended up if he had stayed and said, no, I'm not going to follow. James, Acts chapter 12, he's martyred. So James, if you follow me, blessed, happy, fortunate are you, but there's going to be a way of persecution as a result of following me that had you just continued Zebedee's fishing business, it probably would have looked different. Peter. According to historians, Peter was crucified upside down. And Peter's actually, in 1 Peter 4, Peter's one who talks uh, often about suffering and says, don't be surprised when you experience suffering. So it even becomes a part of Peter's philosophy, you know, as he's, as he's writing, he's going, don't be surprised when you experience suffering. So Peter not only suffered himself, but he coaches other people, don't be surprised when you go through suffering. And, and this would have all been things that God downloaded in their heart as they're sitting listening to this famous Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus says, blessed, happy, fortunate, lucky are you. And Jesus, John 15, looks at these same disciples a little bit later, and he says this, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belonged to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. This is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. I, I, when I look at this and I look, about, look at my journey, your journey, I think you could probably say, kind of like these disciples, if I get close to Christ, Jesus will invite me to a way of obedience. He'll invite me to a way of proclamation about the kingdom. He'll invite me into a way of convictions that go against the culture. And if I'm close to him, there will be, not that I want it, not that I'm like looking for persecution, it's just cause and effect. You hold those convictions, you hold proclamation about who Jesus is, you're obedient to what Jesus called you to do, and you can guarantee you there will be pushback from people. And I think you could probably say, as a disciple, you know this would be the broad road that I could go down and I wouldn't get pushed back. But I hold these convictions. I say yes to this kind of generosity, this kind of prayer life, even these different beatitudes, these different standards, these different attributes of disciple that we've read about this whole fall. And if I hold those ways, persecution will come upon me too. And I, I wanna invite you to think when Jesus says it's, you're being persecuted, not really because of you, but because of me. Peter, James, and John, or all of them, it's not really about, it's not you that they're coming against, it's me, but because we're tight, because you're a disciple, because you're gonna take on my name, then they're gonna come at you. So ultimately, this is the, this is, this is a warfare worldview. This is believing that the enemy who has, is when we read about Jesus and the enemy comes after Jesus, the enemy is gonna come 
after Jesus. And you can guarantee that the enemy will use people to come after the people of Jesus. So at the core, you're a part. It's a, I mean, this is a spiritual warfare context. This is believing. They're coming after, they're attacking the author of truth whom you represent. So they're rejecting Jesus. And, and Jesus would talk about how when they reject me, they reject the Father. So you just gotta know, this whole Christianity thing, it's not just kind of a fun game about let's be nice people. It really is about you are Jesus' followers. And when they reject you, as Jesus would say to his disciples, they're rejecting me. And Jesus would look at us right now in our context, in our culture, in our world where we're trying to be followers, to follow him and say, they're rejecting me. I wanna lean into this next phrase where he says, rejoice and be glad, great is your reward. I just wanna, I just wanna hang out in that great is your reward in heaven phrase. Because I think this is the single greatest key to happiness on earth. I think if you put your sights set on heaven, then you can have a happiness on earth that people who have their sights set on earth never have. So you get, if, if you become somebody that believes in your bones, earth does not have to work out for me, then you too can be a happy person. If you, if you, when we actually get that in our bones, and that, that goes so contrary to every commercial that I ever see or hear, because all of that is you deserve happiness, you should get happiness. Happiness is attainable. Happiness is attainable on earth. And whether you get it, if you don't get it in your 20s, get it in your 30s. If you don't get it in your 30s, get it in your 40s. If you don't get it in your 40s, get it in your 50s. And all the way through. But the kind of Christ follower that believes that great is your reward in heaven. So I can be persecuted on earth and I've got a reward coming. That delayed gratification. That idea, earth doesn't have to work out for me and I'm okay. Those people become supernaturally happy, supernaturally okay. And the people that say, no, I have to, I have to have all of this work out. I'm going to hold on to earth. If you hold on to earth, you can guarantee that you will not find happiness, but you hold on to heaven. You hold on to eternal rewards. And this was ultimately Paul's secret. Paul, I mean, Corinthians, Philippians, I mean, what we call Pauline literature. Paul is filled with this idea. In fact, I think when we read Paul, this, this was the thing that he held to over and over again. And this was how he motivated the churches. He constantly talks through this. So when I went to write down some verses, there were so many. I just want to give you a few of them that are really fun to read because they're so specific. 2 Corinthians 4, 16. Therefore, we do not, do not lose heart. Though outwardly, we are wasting away. And here's the phrase that I want you to get. Yet inwardly, the whole Beatitudes is about inward. Yet inwardly, we are renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweigh them all. So we fix our eyes on what is seen. So, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. That's hard to do. But Paul says, that's what we do. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. You get that in your heart. Earth doesn't have to work out for me. 2 Corinthians 11. This is the light and momentary pain that he talks about earlier. This is the, seven chapters later, look at what he's walking through. 
Are they servants of Christ? I'm out of my mind for talking this way. I am more. I have worked much harder, been in prison, more frequently been flogged and more severely and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. I just like that word pelted. I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. That would be difficult. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in dangers from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from, we don't like danger, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I've labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have gone without food. I have been cold and naked. You just, you just look at some of that compared to when you feel like you're experiencing persecution. Just helps you go, okay, when I look at some of the apostolic witness, when I look at some of these people that have experienced levels of persecution, Polycarp is burned alive. And my aim is, my aim is not necessarily for us to say, oh, I want to be persecuted. I, that's not where I'm going. Where I do want to go is that we so identify with Christ and we so want eternal rewards that we actually can go through persecution and be happy about it that the way that you see persecution adjusts. So if your earth, I just want to ask you that, is your earth more important than your heaven? Because if, if your earth outweighs heaven, earth is destined to let you down. Uh, and if your heaven, if heaven is in your sights, then you can endure persecution. If you keep that, that's, that's what I'm looking toward. Jim Elliot famous missionary to Ecuador, which I've quoted a lot. I just want our church to have this phrase kind of in, in us. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. So that idea of I want to gain eternal reward, that is a motivation that Jesus uses, invites us to. And so I think it's part of the secret to happiness. And this is the phrase I just want you to get it doesn't have to work out for me. I, that's, that's what I signed up for because I am banking on trillions and trillions of years in eternity. That seemed to be what Jesus was all about. Jesus, when you just look at the way that Jesus set his example for us, Jesus was never like, ah, oh, I'm going to try to have these 33 years get the good life. Jesus, Jesus lived a whole different life than that. Then let's just double click on that last phrase right before it. Rejoice and be glad. Rejoice and be glad for greater reward in heaven. That rejoicing. I just want to invite you to think, what is it that you rejoice over? Deep in your bones, present tense, what actually in a, so not in a spiritual sense, kind of dreamy, but in a normal week, what are the things that, that you rejoice over? And what would it look like for us? Try to take Jesus at his word and have the things of eternity be what we rejoice over. So we do rejoice over the things that last forever. We do rejoice over people coming to know Jesus, people being baptized. We do rejoice about people that are far from God, uh, that have never heard the gospel around the world, that hear the good news of Jesus and their eternity is forever changed. And that is the thing that causes us to rejoice more than stock markets more than new cars, more than sports, more than political decisions and governments that will not last for eternity, but that there's a rejoicing. So uh, 
I just want to talk about this idea of persecution. And, and again, my aim is, is, I don't want to dignify it in such a way that it feels like I, that we're seeking it. I just want to take the biblical idea that it seems that Jesus and the apostles assumed, it was like a, it was like a presupposition that the people that follow Jesus will experience persecution. 2 Timothy 3.12 says, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. <laughs> ah, welcome to church. So David, if that's true, why don't I feel persecuted? Well, there is persecution around the world today, no question. We're not experiencing the kind of persecution that you experience in North Korea or Afghanistan or Somalia or Libya or Pakistan. Those are places where they experience much more persecution than we do here. Yet... I want to invite you to just ask the Holy Spirit what it looks like for you to live in such a way where you're not afraid of persecution, you care about eternal reward, and what would it look like for you to own a few things that I think you uptick in these things, and you'll be surprised that even in 21st century United States of America, I think you will experience some persecution. Here's a few of them. Number one, I think persecution follows convictions. Um, You have to believe something. You have to have backbone. So there's actually some joy of having conviction in a culture of compromise. A culture of compromise, but you have convictions and you believe something, and you can guarantee that there will be pushback. So there is a way for you to not have to suffer suffer persecution if you mirror the culture. If If you mirror the culture, you will not be persecuted. You mirror the culture and you'll fit right in. But you, you say, here I stand. And you'll experience persecution. For me, as I've sat with, at a coffee shop talking to people, here's phrases. And I'm not trying to be mean in this moment. I'm just trying to say, here's some of the ways I think that sometimes we, we feel like uh, I can get out of persecution. I hear this phrase. I'm just confused. <laughs> Which which I understand the idea that there's this constant, um, the enemy's trying to deceive and that it's a, it's a battle to live with truth. At the same time, it also can become a license to live in perpetual compromise if you just say, I'm just confused. The world's, it's too hard to figure out. It's just too difficult. Here's another one. I'm just so hurt. So I've got so much church hurt or, or theological hurt or I live in the information age with the internet where I can Google anything and get a different perspective on anything. So not only I've got confusion, but I've got hurt. Somebody has done me wrong. So therefore I'm wishy-washy. I don't hold convictions. Or here's another one. I'm just tired, right? So I'm not being mean when I say those things. I just want to invite you to ask the Holy Spirit if you've fallen into one of those categories and instead of holding a conviction and finding out What does the word of God say? So that you're somebody that actually has a backbone, believes something, has, I mean, if you, the reason why, (laughs) the reason why they put Polycarp to death, the reason why the disciples ended up going to their death, except for John exiled on Patmos, but that was persecution, was because you couldn't talk them out of what they believed about Jesus being the son of the living God. They believed it in a world that would not receive it. 
So today we believe. So just settle it. What do you believe about the Bible? What do you believe about the word of God? What do you believe about the Holy Spirit? What do you believe about the power of the Holy Spirit? What do you believe about a Christian ethic and sexuality, living like the word of God tells us to live right here and right now? What do you believe about generosity? What do you believe about living sacrificially for the sake of the gospel going around the world, for the sake of making a difference in the city, for the sake of helping young people? What do you believe? Should you spend everything that you make on yourself? What do you believe about about the, the dollars that God has given you to be a steward of? Will you be a generous person? Will you be a person that prays? What do you believe about prayer? Should you spend time with God? Should, is David just crazy when he's always giving us free journals? You know, like, but, but don't be one of those people that just say, it's just, it's just too complex. It's just too much to understand. I just, or I'm so hurt. I'm too tired. I'm just so confused. Hold on. When you stand before Jesus, what you want to do is have lived a life where there's great reward and you won't go against the culture if you don't believe something. Because the people who don't really believe something, as soon as the persecution comes, they take the easy road. So you want to be able to be in the moment, in the crisis moment where there's the potential persecution and say, here I stand. This is what I believe. This is what I believe about the word of God. This is what I believe about spiritual warfare. This is what I believe. So that's one of my dreams is to have a church full of people that they're not soft. They're not wishy-washy. They, no, they, they, they believe something. And th- that, that is not what the culture likes. What the culture likes is, whoa, 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 who do you think you are? And you can guarantee they'll be pushed back. It's one of the things I love about you. Sometimes I'll, I'll talk to you guys after service and I will, I will hear just this strength of conviction. And it's actually refreshing. That's why one of the reasons why when you come to church, one of the best things that you can do is not just have small talk about barbecue, although I was talking about barbecue just before service. That's why I'm thinking of it. But to have little conversations about the things that matter. To have little conversations in the quick little minutes that we have together or in a small group context. So when you get around the people that could be experiencing persecution and you say, oh, but here's what we believe to, here's what we believe about life. Here's why, how we believe that every life matters. Here's what we believe about prayer. We, do, we don't just pray because we think it changes us. No, we believe it changes us and God hears the prayers of saints and it actually makes a difference in the world. Oh, we believe that the word of God is true. It is not just some idea and just inspiring. Oh no, we believe that the word of God is true. I mean, you get around people that believe those things and say those things. It'll help you have strength. When you go into a world, an internet every week filled with godless immorality, I think persecution follows proclamation. So I think it's really easy today in our culture to be a private disciple and nobody cares. But the moment that you go, I'm a public disciple, then you're gonna get pushed back. So for me, I, I, I mean, I, I love to tell these stories. They're super old, but... I knew how in high school, public, public high school, I knew how to be liked. It was, it was so easily, easy to be liked by having, being a private disciple. And nobody 
Nobody challenged that. As long, I mean, if you, if you don't go public with it, then that's just fine. You do you, baby. But you go public and you look at the apostles, martyrs throughout history. They were not private about their faith. So, so for us, as long as, we're, as long as we're private and you're a private disciple, like nobody knows, you probably won't go through persecution. But you start to say it, you start to preach it, you start to declare it. Martyrs weren't martyrs because they believed something, it's because they proclaimed something. So, so the apostles, I mean, I, I just have all these different stories about people that said, hey, if you'll just be quiet, if you'll just be silent, there's no problem here, right? I mean, just the, the phrase, the person that's coming to my head spontaneously is that, that story of Corey Ten Boom's dad in Nazi Germany where they're like, hey, listen, if you'll just be quiet, we'll let you die in your bed, old man. I remember from the movie, old man, right? And he says, no, as long as I'm here, my house will be open to anybody that comes by and I will declare Christ to, bam, okay, off to the concentration camp for you. My point is just this. If if you're silent, you could just guarantee you, you will have figured out a way for persecution to not be a part of your journey. Yet, read Jesus. Read Paul. A part of who we are is we're a people that we don't just, um, we don't believe just silently and privately. Our faith is a go and preach, go and declare. Paul says in Ephesians 6, and pray also for me that whenever, whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me that I might fearlessly make known the mysteries of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may preach it fearlessly. Say it, preach it. So I'm not asking you to take my words. I just want you to take Jesus' words here and look through the scriptures of what it looks like for you to be a proclaimer, for you to be somebody that says it, for you someone that speaks it. What does that look like for you? Um, and the last one is this. Uh, I think persecution follows obedience. Here's what I mean when I say that. I think every single one of us, we have, the reason why we take you through DNA is we want you to identify the spiritual gifts that you have on your life so that you can fulfill the call of God on your life. So the purpose of this church is not that we're all just doing whatever the people on the stage are saying, but the goal is to try to help every single person in this church be a minister. And you're using whatever spiritual gifts that God has given you to specifically do the calling that's on your life. And when you do that, so six days you go out and you're doing that calling. That obedience to God, that stepping into the way that, doing what I'm wired to do, going into the world that God's called me to reach, that will create pushback. That will create a form of persecution because you'll be stepping out and you'll be like being on offense. Today, uh, when the Chiefs, go to play the Bengals, right? We're not going to put our worst cornerbacks on our, we're, not, we're gonna put our, I'll just say it the easy way. We're gonna put our best, we're gonna put our best cornerbacks on their receivers, right? So their best receivers, like Chase and 
Boyd. I mean, we're, we're going to go after them. T. Higgins, right? We're, we're putting our best on them because they're the threat, right? We know that ultimately we're the threat and they have no threats, but whatever, right? But that, does that make sense? So here's the thing. In, in the same way, when you're, when you're a threat, when you're saying, I'm going to be obedient to what God is coming. So I'm not just wasting these six days, enduring them, getting a paycheck, coming back to church next week, but I'm actually obedient to the specific calling. I'm out. You can guarantee the enemy is like coming after you like warfare and, and going to put, I mean, you, resistance on you. And as long as we just kind of do easy things, and this word obedience is a hard word for us, but when we're listening to God and we're saying, I'm going to step into the specific thing. So in a general way, I'm a, I have convictions. In a general way, I'm going to be a proclaimer. And in a specific way, here's my area where I'm going to obey. I was watching The uh, Chosen with my kids. Uh, and so I, 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 I was just, I'm enjoying some of the, the fun storylines that you see in it. And there's the moment where uh, Jesus is looking at the disciples and he's sending them out. And it's the, it's the story that comes in Mark 6. Um, but in The Chosen, they play it out a little bit. And so in Mark 6, you have the story where Jesus sends them out two by two. And in, and, and in The Chosen, there's little jokes about who's gonna go out with who. And, and it's just kind of a fun. But, but one of the things I found so interesting in it was they were terrified to go. The disciples, they're like, you want us to not take anything with us? You want us to do what you've been doing? And, in the, and they're just like, freaking out like this. This is crazy. This is so uncomfortable. We're just following a rabbi. And now, now we have to leave the comfort of being close to the rabbi and go out two by two. But then it's fun because in Mark six, it says they come back. Verse three, it says the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. So I think we have that feeling. We're going to go out into the dark world this week. We're going to be obedient. It's got that little bit scary. But on the back end, we come back and we report. Here's what God did. So I step into that obedience. Here's the way that the Lord is leading me to make a difference in my university. Here's the way that the Lord is leading me to make a difference at the hospital where I work. Here's the way that God is leading me. You. So it does have the specific obedient call. I was thinking about, for me, I... Um, one of the things we're going to do at Radiant more and more is, is, is overseas missions trips. It's one of the things that I love. And um, I spent years taking young people to Nepal and Botswana, Zimbabwe, Trinidad, Mexico, India, China, took kids all over the world. And um, one of the things that we always did was we always had a strategy. And when we came back, we would debrief, right? I'd like to invite you to see a lens where you see every week as you go out, like a mission strip. Like, I'm gonna go this week. And one of the things that was, when we were in Trinidad and Tobago, um, we go, we knock on doors, we talk to people, we tell people about Jesus, we come back, we report, and then we never go back. We never see them again. It's one and done. You have the benefit opportunity to build relationships and build compounding ministry week after week, after week. And if you'll think of it like, I'm gonna go out and this week I'm gonna build these relationships. This week I'm gonna say yes to Jesus in this era of my life. This week, so that it's not, it's not just you, about you. 
It's not just about enduring the week, paying my bills, surviving, but Jesus using you to make a difference. And that's got eternal reward. One of the things, uh, why we have these Jesus letters up in our prayer meeting, every Wednesday night, uh, we're praying for the prodigals. We're praying for people to come to know Jesus. And I just put these up. We've got some pins back there. If you want to, I'd invite you to just put somebody that you're believing. I want you to write their name, well, the, a prodigal that will come home. And we're just gonna continue to pray over those names. Here's why I do it. I've seen it work before. I did this with young people. And I'll never forget the moment where this girl who gave her life to Jesus um, and started coming to our church and she just started to go through the process that we would do. And she realized one of the things we did is at our prayer meeting, we prayed for, for people that, and she went up and she saw her name. And she said, now her name was a very rare name and it was no way that there was two people with that name. And then she tracked back all the way to find the teenager that had prayed for her, turned out to be a coworker with her at Starbucks two years earlier, but it <laughs> had started to pray for her. And then two years later, she came to know Jesus. She went through our deception program. She started being one of the intercessors in the prayer room, praying for other people. And she figured out who wrote her name and started praying for her. Listen, we got time. I wanna invite you. Man, put people's names on there. Let's start praying. We wanna live on offense. We wanna be people that literally the enemy is like, man, we're putting our best cornerbacks on them because those people are taking ground. Those people are believing God. And so I wanna invite you, just, just, we just leave it up. When we pray on Wednesday nights, we're just, well, you, by writing someone's name, it's not just your prayer. You'll add other people that will just go by it and pray. So, um, I want to just make this last comment on persecution. This is just a little, little, little conviction I have. I, I think our greatest challenge in the United States um, might not be persecution from the world, but seduction by the world. And it could be that we don't experience a whole lot of persecution because we've been slowly seduced into becoming just like them. And as you take steps to be close to Jesus, you'll be surprised that there will be some pushback. I think you'll be surprised. And I want to invite you again, and I say this, my goal is not, my goal is not, oh, we want persecution. My goal is this, we want to follow Jesus. And as we follow Jesus, it's just amazing how Jesus seems to be so clear. They're going to treat you like they treated me because you're my disciple. And so I want to encourage you just with these words. Jesus said them, happy, blessed are you when people insult you. Ooh, that's opposite of what I really feel. That's emotional. Persecute you. That context would have been physical. And falsely say all kinds of evil against you. So we kind of see three things here. Insult, that's emotional. Persecute, that's physical. And then verbal. Falsely lie about you. My guess is that as a follower of Jesus, you say yes to following him, you will too experience those things. I do not think you will experience persecution if you remain a private disciple and you don't go public with your faith. I do think that we're called to be outward focused believers. I do think that as you take steps into obedience, proclamation, and conviction, 
here I stand. And I'm not talking about here I stand in like an arrogant way. I'm talking about a humble, this is what Jesus says, the author of truth. And I'm not moving from his words. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you. Because of me, rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Will you just stand with me and let me pray for you? Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray for every man and woman, every young adult and every child. In a culture that needs Jesus, in a culture that needs a people that are a radiant light. And I ask, oh God, I pray, Lord Jesus, that the favor, the happiness, the fortune, the luckiness of being followers of Jesus, that experience persecution, resistance, pushback. I pray that you give them great strength. May we join the prophets of old, the apostles that we read about, the martyrs in church history, those that endured suffering in some way. And Father, I pray that we would not mock, that we would not become cynical, but we would have humble hearts like children that have a loyalty and a devotion to Christ no matter the circumstance. And we're okay when, thing, when earth doesn't turn out. We have hitched our hearts to heaven. Our reward is eternal. Time does not move us. It's all about eternity. May it be the biblical truth, the words of Jesus that are vibrant in our heart. Work supernaturally today. Embolden and strengthen your disciples in this room. If you're in the room or online and you'd like to become a disciple of Jesus, it is actually laying your life down. It is actually a different way of living and it's the glorious way. We wanna give you that opportunity to say yes to an invitation that he's given to you. I wanna invite you just to begin by praying this prayer. And I like to say it's not all that you say because this is not like, magical. This is just a moment of beginning and saying, I start. Jesus, come and save me. So here's the prayer. Jesus, save me. Restore me. Change me. Help me. I give you my life. Make me a new person. I give you everything. You can have all of it. Save me, in Jesus' name, amen. Let's give a hand to everybody that just prayed that prayer. Can we do that? Yeah.
Hey, if you made a decision to follow Jesus today, I want to encourage you, let us know. Um, you can let us know online or in just a moment as we take up an offering, there's a connection card in your seat and there's a way you could fill out that and let, put it, just drop it in the white bucket here in just a moment and let us know that you made a decision to follow Jesus. Um, we'd love to help you uh, get connected. Your next spiritual step would be to get connected and then get baptized, make a public declaration. I have decided to follow Jesus and we'd love to do that. Last week I was doing baptisms on the beach, everybody. Woo! Man, can you imagine that? Um, so I got, I'm getting some creative ideas about baptisms for summertime for us here. But um, anyway, we, we can't baptize you on the beach, but we can baptize you right here in the frozen tundra. It's going to be great. Um, let's pray over our tithes and offerings. Jesus, we love you today. I thank you for this church. God, I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. God, I'm so grateful. You are better than we can imagine. You're our hope and our reward. You give strength to the weary. And Lord Jesus, use what we give to make a difference here in Kansas City. I pray, Lord God, that the hurting of Kansas City would be touched by Radiant Church. Father, use Radiant Church to be a light to a generation of young people that are just addicted to immorality and have no vision for their lives and addicted to screens. And oh God, use us, Lord God, to help raise up an awakening of young people. Father, I ask, Lord Jesus, Help us to be those that fund and start churches in the hardest, darkest, the places around the world where they've never even heard the gospel. God, use our church, Lord Jesus. God, we love you. We love being your people. And God, as we go into this Christmas season, Father, we pray that we would be more focused on Jesus than ever before, that he would be on our lips, that he'd be what we talk about. Oh God. We want to live out these beatitudes because we've been so close to him that because of Jesus is our story. Yeah, I pray because of Jesus. Yeah, I obey because of Jesus. Yeah, I, I can suffer because of Jesus. Yeah, do what you will to me because of Jesus. Yeah, eternity's coming. It's because of Jesus. I'm all right. God, we love you. We honor you and we give cheerfully and gladly in Jesus' name.